millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Renee, we have a topical political guest on the podcast today where you're talking with Marta Kostyuk of the Ukraine. Yeah, Marta, um, great kid. I spent a lot of time talking to her, uh, really a lot over the last couple of years, her and her mom. Her mom's terrific as well. He's been her longtime coach for a long time. But uh, terrific kid, rising up the rankings, um, is really someone to keep an eye on. I think she's going to be a very good player for a very long time. Um, but, you know, Caitlin, she's been through a lot, has, as has every Ukrainian player over the last couple of months. But just to hear her stories in this and to hear how she's been dealing with it, it's pretty, pretty incredible. There were times, Caitlin, where I had to really like hold back how I felt uh, and not get too upset because I didn't want to upset her because she's having to deal with so much for such a young, such a young kid, um, but dealing with so many things in her life right now. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of and love about the sport of tennis is that it takes us all over the world and that these conversations that we have with people, um, are, uh, you know, really, really relevant. Like anybody who's tempted to keep politics out of sports is either being purposefully naive about how much politics are already in sports or has a you know, vested interest in the status quo. So it was a really, really insightful conversation. Obviously you guys get into the the conflict, uh, you know, Putin's aggression into into its neighbor Ukraine, but also hearing about her mentality, hearing about how she's really been, you know, grown up in the last couple of years and turned into a really, really excellent player. It was really lovely to hear from her. You guys had a long chat, which is why we're going to keep this intro short. Um, but yeah, keep them coming. This was a great, thoughtful chat about a very complex, cohesive and, and really intelligent young woman. Um, and I was really, yeah. really excited to hear the whole thing. So, yeah. um, I guess we should just let, let you get to it. It's a whole hour with Mastikutia. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you, Renee. Hey, you're welcome. And I hope everybody enjoys it and gets behind all the Ukrainian players going forward this year. Thanks, Caitlin. Today, I want to welcome the ever awesome uh, Marta Kostchuk, uh, who's now progressing her way up the rankings um, in, a, in a way that I think is great. Keep your eye out on her. But Marta, thanks for joining me today. Um, I want to, I always, I always ask my uh, people that I have on the podcast how they got into tennis. I kind of have an idea why you got into tennis, but let the people um, who don't know you that well or want to know more about you, how you got into the sport. 
Hi, everyone. Uh, hi, Renee. Um, very nice of uh, you to call me yeah, on your yeah. podcast. Yeah. podcast. By the way, um, you're very tanned, so you know you make a lot of people jealous. But in most of the <laughs> so anyway, go on. Um, so I have two sisters, uh, older and younger. Both of them don't like tennis. They were never <laughs> into tennis. They never enjoyed it. They never saw benefits in it I don't know how to call it other way um and I was the only one who just who could just hit uh, hit the ball for three hours in a row and just just this pure inner enjoyment of playing tennis I don't know there is I don't think there is a good explanation to it because it's just pure feelings so it's tough to explain you know um I have my mom that uh was coaching me full-time for many years and travels with me to traveled with me all the time still travels from time to time now um and you know some people say it was just uh, my way of being closer to her you know some have other opinion it I don't know what's the reason but um it is what it is now and I'm just enjoying it Listen, your mom was a pretty, your mom was a decent player in her own right. And, uh, and so your, your dad was involved in tennis too. So I think that's probably got a lot of reasons why you ended up picking up a tennis racket. <laughs> well, I think it's enough of reasons, but yet my sisters Hate don't it. like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, there you go. Um, so you travel um, a lot with your mom. I know maybe not as much anymore, but when I was around you, you have been coached by your mom. How difficult sometimes is that to, be coached by a parent um it obviously has its privileges you know i'm not gonna hide it to be coached by a parent <clears throat> but you know we all know horrible stories of how this relationship ended <laughs> in other players lives so you know it's you cannot say it's the, the it's the fluid one you know it's that it's uh, just uh, an easy one um i don't travel with much with my mom as much anymore uh, you know she's in and out sometimes she's just a tourist sometimes she comes but stays on court you know so it's it's like in and out thing but uh it obviously requires a lot of work uh just because she's my mom it doesn't make it automatically a like easy journey that you know we understand each other that everything's great you know everything is perfect so it's another um, part of the work because if you have some problems with the coach usually like if you can't figure out the problem you just change the coach okay <laughs> but here is uh, here is not it's not that kind of concept I have to say because if you have a problem you can't just like oh can I have change your mom please or you know uh something like this so that's you know that's that's like that's an extra work that you cannot avoid because if you are keep on avoiding it eventually you'll face a huge problem that you might not both uh, handle um so i think the, the, the moment you you face something you face some difficulties i think it's best if you figure them out straight straight away uh as you know as it becomes like a like because then it, it just grows and it just becomes a huge problem 
Oh my God, Marta, I, that's one of the most honest answers I've ever heard from a player and also made me laugh probably the hardest I've laughed <laughs> doing my podcast. I love that. I love that you recognize if things aren't working sometimes, uh, you know, if you if you want to put the blame on the coach, you can just fire them, but you can't fire your mom. I love that. It's classic. Um, yes. So, um, so you know, you, you had a great, like, I mean, you had an early career that was really a lot of eyes on you. I want to, you to explain to people out there the pressures on you at a young age. You won junior, you know, won Orange Bowl and everybody who follows tennis knows that the Orange Bowl is a very prestigious junior tournament where a lot of agents are there. They're looking at the next, who's going to be the next, right, top player that they can grab a hold of and and, and sort of utilize to make money for them, right? Um, and then and then you win, you know, Australian Open singles at, at 17. So, um, you know, you, you were progressing the way that most great players do. Um, how mm -hmm. much pressure was on you from that period of like being, I mean, really up till now, like how much pressure have you felt um, to be the next, of course, from your country, Svitolina, let's say? Mm. It's been, so many years ago honestly <laughs> like, not that long ago I'm, I'm no no like for from I mean my life was you know still pretty short so for me it's been many years ago it happened many years ago um honestly there was a pressure I couldn't handle because if I could handle it I think I would be I would be in a different position right now I would probably be ranked differently or you know I would be different person let's go that way but it's pretty obvious um so, so wait let me stop you there go back to that period of time what would you change um uh, nothing mm -hmm. because that made me who i am today if things were dif went differently i wouldn't be here right now i don't know where i'd be so and having this guarantee knowing that i'm here it's you know i'm i'm at peace most of the time where I'm at and how I'm working, how I'm progressing. So I wouldn't want to change that. If things were like really like terrible or whatever, honestly, even in that situation, I probably wouldn't change something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think it, it makes sense to, to, to go back and, you know, even like think, oh, what could I change? What would I change? Because I had this conversation actually many times with my mom, with coaches, with, with, with a lot of people. And every time my answer was the same yeah I wouldn't so yeah I was I mean I was 15 when I played third round of Australian Open yep I was 15 and um, there was this age eligibility rule that wouldn't allow me to play as many tournaments as I wanted to and um, which was putting a lot of pressure on me just, just the fact that this rule exists. I know players who, for whom this rule worked, that they felt better with it mm -hmm. because, you know, they knew, oh, I have this amount of tournaments, I have to push. I was not like that because I was pushing every match, every tournament I was playing. And, you know, at times it was just not enough, like not enough matches, not enough tournaments. I mean, not enough time spent on court playing matches. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that's that's the that was the first pressure uh, like pressure point. Second one was that I didn't know uh, I didn't know how I'm gonna defend the points from Australian Open the next year. <laughs> this is the this was the first thing I saw after I played third round of Australian Open, and this this 
these thoughts. They were hunting me till next year when I lost last round of qualis and I dropped to like 190 or I don't remember. But then eventually I even dropped to 310 by April 2019 because I couldn't defend any of the points that I that I got from 2018. So, you know, um, obviously I, I didn't handle it at all. But um, I knowing think how I... I yeah, I think you, I think you probably would go back if you know when I say what would you go and tell yourself at that time I think you would probably go back now and say don't worry about defending your points from 12 months in, in time like you keep winning and you keep progressing and being a good player that those, those points will be taken care of right I mean that's probably something you would have told yourself now I hope um <clears throat> Because I, I don't think this is specifically like this is exactly what I would tell myself because um, because for me, the problem and it still still is my problem that I don't get enough matches. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter and it, at that time especially it didn't matter on what level I played the matches. like it could be. 60k 250 wta grand slam 20 even 25k back then even 25k because this is the this is the this is the part of my career that i just skipped i won one 25k but that's it i played maybe like three of them in my life four i don't know five but nothing you know and uh, this you know so it wouldn't harm me to play more and don't don't even think about the points that they're like they 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 exist or they matter yeah like you were on you were right on one on one side of, of this um, advice but on the other side it's just for me it was the matter of the amount of matches and the amount of time I spent on court which I didn't get enough in all these years and I still don't get enough of it and I'm and it's haunting me like it, it does like you can see it in some big matches that are happening or or some tournaments or you know some moments that I have a lack of it that I'm trying to, to gain yeah. by playing. So do you, I know it's probably, a, I mean, an obvious question. So, I mean, this, this rule, as you know, was put in place, you know, to prevent burnout by the time of 24, 25. And you, mm -hmm. I mean, look at someone like Ash who's just retired at 25. I mean, it's an, a tremendous amount of pressure on these top players to continually win every week and, and deal with the pressures of, of, of what they're dealing with. Um, but I guess you're sort of saying in some respects, yeah, but for some of us, we actually really do want to play more. I don't know. It's a it's an interesting conversation with you because you really have you really feel one way. M maybe in 10 years time, Marta, you might change your mind. You might think, oh, I'm glad I didn't really play that much. I don't know. But it's an interesting conversation to have with someone who's your age now. I mean, you're 19, right? I mean, so you know we actually had very i just remembered we started talking about we had a very funny conversation a very interesting one it was chengdu 2017 uh master and that masters uh was in that masters uh, played kaya yuvan whitney osigwe van sinu uh who else was there? Camila Osorio Serrano, uh, Maria Carle, Lena Ribakina, uh -huh. uh, and two more. Who else? Who else was that? Trying this to was remember. the young. This is the young tournament, right in uh, in China. That that the. Yes, it was under it was under eighteen. 
but yeah. it was eight of us. And I don't remember, but like in the middle of week, the WTA representatives come, come there and they have like a presentation meeting with us, like, like they're representing WTA tour, how it works and all the details, what's the, how it's functioning and stuff like that. And I remember uh, by the end of the conversation, they were like, ah, oh, do you have any questions? And, you know, I, I'm sure they were like ready to leave. You know, they've done their part, one hour presentation, you know, ready to go to the hotel room, whatever. And we're like, yeah, we actually have a question. So it ended up being one and a half hour conversation that um, actively involved me, my mom, uh, Whitney, Osigwe, her father, Mm-hmm. And I think there were a couple more people who were involved, but mostly it was it was us. And yeah. and um, I don't remember if it was Whitney or it was her father who said, "But what if like we signed the paper saying that we we will end our career at 25 years old, but you give us a chance <laughs> to play as many tournaments as we want?" <laughs> and it was actually funny, yeah, because I think like as a like I knowing my personality, knowing um, how I am, knowing that I'm sure I can do a lot of other things in life. Uh, you know, not I'm sure that you know I'm going to be great or whatever, but I know that you know tennis is not the only thing in my life that is just like my life. Uh, I think someone like I would probably sign this paper. Well, I don't know, but it was actually a very funny idea. That's interesting. I. I... I'm going to be the first person on your 25th birthday to call you and say, okay, so uh, would you stop now? <laughs> but anyway. But uh, I was under eligibility rules, so I don't think I'll stop at 25. Okay, well, I think the point, I think, but you make an interesting point because in some ways, I think the WTA tried to, I know this for a fact, that they one of the things they wanted is to keep the really great players like yourself in and on the tour till you know they're later at least 20s and into their 30s so that we can keep them those great players um you know i mean selling tickets and being great names for the sport so it's an interesting conversation i'm glad that you are talking about it because you're as you said you're right in the middle of it so it's a it's an interesting dichotomy of a conversation um i hadn't really thought about it for you but but i'm great now Moving on to like where you're at now, um, you have been pretty vocal about, um, you know, obviously everything that's going on in in Ukraine and we're going to get to that, but you recently hired and you said you're talking to a psychologist to deal with a lot of the stuff that's going on. Is that also something that you would advise for any player to take up aside from what's happening in Ukraine, which we'll get into, but is it something that you probably felt like could have helped you deal with some of these moments is to have somebody always to talk to about it other than, you know, your parents or your coach? Oh, honestly, 100%. But there are honestly a lot of buts in this story because I was working with the psychologist in 2018, 2020 and 21. Yeah. Um, the one who I had in 2018 is the person who I cannot obviously cannot say the F word, but he F'd my whole life. <laughs> like like two two pieces, two pieces. I'm not kidding right now. Why? And why? Um, 
I don't know. I think because he was just a terrible psychologist. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just, he didn't help me figure out uh, things. He didn't help me. Uh, I was very devastated at that time. It was end of 2018. It was getting closer to the defending Australian Open point. And, you know, there were other things happening in my life like regarding like my relationship with my family and relationship with tennis and just relationship with the world and uh, myself um so I was obviously in the huge need of a psychologist but it just ended up that I just got a terrible one mm-hmm. and you know I still kind of tried to trust him within work for long but it had enough impact to destroy my life um, then I worked with another person for, you know, from time to time, just for a little bit, but I don't think like it had such a big impact on me. And now the, the psychologist I'm working with is, she's an incredible woman and, you know, I, I'm extremely grateful and, you know, I'm thankful that she ended up being in my life and in this very difficult moment for me. Uh, so it definitely, you know, it, I think it's part for of everyone's life. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do if you're athlete or not. You know, we're all facing our difficulties that you're just, you know, you're just facing throughout the life and it just makes your life better and more understand, like you understand it better when you, when you do some work with the psychologist. I'm not saying you have to be in it your whole life, yeah. but definitely part of your life you need to, when you feel like you want it, you feel like you're ready for it. I think you just have to go for it, but you have to be extremely careful because, you know, now, unfortunately, there is a lot of stories of the psychologists that don't help. You know, you have to be careful that there are psychologists that you are going to for 10, 15 years in a row, mm-hmm. which I don't think is normal. Yeah. I honestly don't think like you need 10 or 15 years to keep on figuring out your life and yourself. Like it's just a bad work. If you're, constantly in need of someone for so much time obviously someone needs it for two months someone needs it for a year for two for three but I don't think it can exceed these numbers you know you can you can go in and out you know you need someone you talk you know then you do a like a break then you come back to it again when you need it but you know it's a very uh, sensitive and extremely important topic that you need to take super serious this is this is important you need to know people, you need to know person who you're talking to, you need to, you know, but I think if someone helps you, you feel it straight away. So how, but you how don't was, fool yourself. How has this person helped you? Um, how did you feel like they helped you immediately this time? Um, you know, there are different techniques that everyone is using, okay? The one I'm using um, works extremely deep mm-hmm. with your, um, brain neurons mm-hmm. i don't know it's right if i call yeah. it right in english yeah. um and it basically heals your uh, childhood traumas uh-huh. that i myself have a lot and uh, some of them are you know keep on bothering me even though i talked them through hundred thousand times before you know they're still deep inside of me that are bothering me how it helped me that i started feeling like it's helping me um I started to breathe better yeah um on the court I don't feel like I'm out of breath 
mm-hmm. obviously long point uh, yeah, yeah whatever but I don't feel like I'm out of breath and when I'm nervous I don't get this extreme tension in my body or in my diaphragm that I cannot barely like just get some air just some amount of air so this was the first like signs that I knew that it's helping me but extremely deep because because in my thoughts in my in my words in my thoughts you know it was not changing as quickly but it already started I was like oh my god the things I'm thinking I haven't been thinking you know like this for for years Mm -hmm. so you know I had some like my stories so um this was like the first one I'd say the the breathing for me was the the first significant like change I remember I I remember I called your match actually uh commentated your match (laughs) when you played Svitolina in Australia in that okay and I you know all the talk about you being so young and you know you're going up against somebody that you know you would have looked up to for a long time in Alina Svitolina and uh, I could tell in that match for example that's you were overwhelmed you know you weren't breathing you were so it was almost like you wanted to run off the court (laughs) <laughs> in that match yep. you know if you'd yep. had some of these tools younger would have helped you um I, I remember that match when you went to the net and you and Alina just hugged you because it was kind of like she could tell that you were just overwhelmed by a match like that and how important that was for you going forward um that match I actually remember partly because mm. again it's been many years ago for me uh and uh um I was not like out of breath because I was nervous yeah first of all the temperature of the surface was 70 degrees 70 (laughs) degrees celsius I don't know Fahrenheit is I don't even know as we say in Australia bloody hot yes exactly uh then the the temperature of uh air was 40 which is 110, I think, Fahrenheit. I don't know how yeah. much is it. So everyone understands. Uh, and it was my sixth match. Yeah. So it was like extremely difficult, like like just the, the circumstances, you know, the situation around me was extremely difficult just for anyone. Yeah. And obviously I was overwhelmed playing her. I was nervous. I was super young. Yeah. you know very new to everything yeah. and I didn't know how to deal with it I didn't know how to handle and none of the players who I was uh, none of the people who I was surrounded by knew it as well so it was new to everyone and um I don't remember me like rushing or or something but you know it was just the the game played so it was just it just was not working perfectly that I was like winning whatever so that's why I was just missing a lot and I think that it looked like I'm trying to get out of the court but obviously it was was extremely tough for me physically because of the everything around and what I want people to know is that in the last round of qualifying that year I believe you beat Barbara Krajikova yes I I mean that's crazy to think that you know just not too many years later she win a grand slam just just thinking back on beating players like that and knowing that they sort of were in a position that you are and also seeing what's happened in the last couple of years in women's tennis with Emma Raducanu winning a grand slam and you know just lots of you know Sophia Kennan and all these players like does that help someone like you think hey why not me um at times it helped but then you're 
it can easily turn into like putting pressure on yourself like when is this gonna happen to me like why not this grand slam why and then you lose another one like oh why not this one yeah you know so it's a very thin line of like looking up to like looking up to it or just putting yourself down because you're not as good um so i'm trying to find this balance but you know i'm always always trying to stick to the thinking of everyone has their own path and everyone has their own way and if you know that at this time you're doing the best you know and the best you can you know it just happens how it happens you know you cannot control things so uh, when you're at peace with yourself knowing like moving forward that okay this is okay even if I didn't play a great match but I know what I did wrong and I come back on court and I and I work on it and I fell again and I fell again but you know then eventually something happens and you learn and you do your best then I think it's I think it's the most important part of the process and not the actual like winning of something because everyone is capable of completely different things mm-hmm. like everyone like someone's physicality you know allows them to play 30 tournaments a year yeah someone's physicality allows them to play 10 tournaments a year and we all know you know who who are the players who can play 30 and who are the players who can play 10 and some players are born that you know they can win uh, 10 grand slams five grand slams and someone someone's born that they're just happy to be in the main draw of a grand slam because they know their capacity and they know they they're reaching the maximum of their like potential Mm -hmm. and i think uh just it's just important to 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 know and always believe that and to be like to be honest with yourself you know not like oh yeah i'm doing my best but you know that you know you go to sleep always like 1 a.m you skip practices you don't warm up you you eat like um cakes and desserts every day <laughs> which i do which i do sometimes desserts <laughs> every day but uh, you know if you know that you're really like not doing things that you know that are leading you or like that are progress like making you progress then you know you cannot have this conversation with you like why am I not winning and they do because obviously you're not doing the right things so I think the answer is pretty clear you just have to be honest with yourself well I can tell you uh what you just said is going to help a lot of people out there understand that they're on their own timeline so that was really well said I'm, I'm glad that you said that but but don't forget please that sometimes I also fail to understand it's just now I'm looking like I'm extremely you know calm and smart and like oh I understand it so well but you know <laughs> ask my coaches please and ask my mom <laughs> how like, I how I approach this advice myself <laughs> you're a classic you're so funny If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So... Marta, I want to get into, you know, you have spoken about, you know, working with a psychologist and how much that's helped you. Um, and throughout this last few months, uh, I would anticipate that having a psychologist and having the closeness of a lot of people around you has meant a lot to you. Um, can you even remotely explain to us what your life has been like over the last little period of time? Um, pure roller coaster. But, but scary one, you know, not the fun one, <laughs> because it can be very different. Um, you know, since I was not there when everything started, meaning in Ukraine when the war started, I, I'm living through um, trauma. Mm. but the one that I can't process into something because the people who are there, who are volunteering, who are helping in any way, who are there, who are, you know, fighting for their life or fighting for someone's life, you know, it's you, you get the trauma. You are in, in this nightmare, but you're processing it. You are transferring it into something else, which I don't have a possibility to, because I never got an actual, like, trauma of hearing the explosions of of running away of you know trying to save my life or or whatever but yet I'm living in the nightmare so without like actually like witnessing it you know like I'm waking up every morning peaceful life peaceful sky I have no worries about the water the food the the basic you know human needs and and yet, you know, it's a nightmare, constant, that you're just, you know, I just, I think after a couple of weeks, I just basically got used to it. Mm. I just, uh, you know, 
unfortunately, our brains. Were you talking to family members? And I know your mom was there at the beginning, correct? Yes, my my whole family was there when everything started, except me and my older sister. Um, And it was, yeah, it was pretty scary. I mean, I wouldn't, again, extremely difficult to explain all this. It's just just unexplainable, I would say pure roller coaster that you know I eventually I came to the point where you know before all these things happened you had your goals in life you had some perspective you had some plans some something you know you you had something and then when all this madness started to happen the killings the rapings the the, you know the, the danger of your family to to die the just just the pure I don't know. Hell. I don't know what it is. Um, everything stopped to matter. Mm. Everything. Mm. And this is where the little problem began for me. Mm-hmm. Because I don't own something huge or expensive or like apartment, house. I'm not directly responsible for someone I don't have kids I don't have boyfriend you know I don't have husband that you know that it's like I don't have this like you know okay I'm gonna put myself together because I'm responsible for for whoever or for whatever yeah and it made the the process at the, at, the, at some point extremely difficult because it was just like why am I living like what's the what's the what's the purpose now playing tennis okay I'm gonna win something title grand slam whatever but what's the point if all this is happening right now and it's just you don't even um like like consciously understand Mm -hmm. of like of the whole situation like you are not aware of it fully but yet you you don't understand what to do with your life now because everything else just doesn't matter um did it feel like did it feel like you like tennis and winning and being happy and succeeding and having that it just felt like it's kind of like a, a you know when somebody dies you feel like you can't ever be happy again because you feel like you're being you're not you're not uh, appreciating what's happening, you know, to somebody else and how sad they are. And, and yet you're happy and you're safe and you're all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's like a, rem- I don't know, survivor's remorse almost. Did you feel yeah, like, a, like a guilt? Yeah. Mm, first week. Yeah. Oh, horrible. Yeah. because I have this like amazing I'm, you know, I'm living in this amazing apartment in Monaco that I have an extremely beautiful view amazing it was just wow and I was waking up in the morning and I couldn't look outside I just couldn't I was like this is so you know this is just terrible you know that I'm here I don't deserve it like why am I here and everyone's there uh you know I have to be there what should I do you know so it was I I was in this situation for for a week yeah for a week but then you know I had enough strength I would say to to turn this thinking into a different like perspective like okay how can I help yeah. what should I do I'm not in that situation what should I do now um but you know I would mm, I try to find 
happiness for myself in a small things because Ukrainian people they are happy mm-hmm. that you are safe yeah everyone who like everyone who went through that nightmare mm-hmm. people I, especially the people I spoke to they were like oh, I'm just honestly so glad you were not here yeah just like extremely happy for you you know and they're like just enjoy your life like you have the possibility like do whatever you you want like doing like do whatever you feel like doing because they like they just they just want me to cherish every moment Mm -hmm. that I have just to to cherish my life a little bit more than I usually do Mm -hmm. and this is extremely strong yeah and all the Ukrainian people who are you know most of them okay i'm gonna say all of them most of them uh have this way of thinking which is well i mean it's it's pretty impressive but also very helpful as on the other side i have people who have nothing to do with this war i mean nothing to do with they're not citizens of russia or ukraine belarus okay so they're not like directly involved in the in the horror and yet they tell me like how can you post these happy pictures when people are dying in your country yeah. and stuff like this and i'm like oh wow oh wow like yeah. okay what should i do now i don't know should i die as well i don't know so you know i'm like everyone or you know so you know <laughs> this obviously this kind of comments you know most of people like um how do i say like i cannot say famous people but people athletes whatever people who are inside you know mm-hmm. of, of other people um obviously get this kind of like stupid uh, comments that have no sense on different kind of topics but you know i get these comments but never from ukrainian people yeah so it definitely helps me to go through this uh like feeling of guilt yeah. in the best possible way because yeah. i know this is what they would all want to do and this is what they are doing if they can so why why not me that's super important, yeah. Um, you uh, obviously know Dogobolov and Stachowski, you know, former tennis players um, that you, I'm sure, would have looked up to and throughout your young career, um, you know that they're they're fighting and, I mean, we see photos of them and videos of them with their guns and, you know, in, in terrible situations. I mean, is it just crazy to you to think that, um, you know, you're playing tennis and they were former tennis players you know that they're there right now i mean is that just wildly confusing for you to even process you know there are a lot of things that i just don't process you know if i'm ukrainian it doesn't make me the person who like read every piece of news and cries and gets terrified and everything because um i'm not being traumatized like directly but yet i all this news and comments and my brain it just doesn't allow the information to go through mm-hmm. so uh, because it's basically nothing is going on but yet I'm trying to traumatize myself you know so my, my brain is just protecting myself and you know there have, was, you spoken, there was have you spoken to those guys have you texted them or yes yes we are uh, we're in touch actually a lot more than mm-hmm. everyone might think yeah. especially now when Kiev is you know safe I mean not safe there's a lot of information I just cannot process I just 
don't process, not because I don't want to, but just because I cannot. And this information includes these two players, ex-tennis players, uh, being there, fighting, holding the gun and, you know, praying every day to, to, to see another day. I don't know, to see their family again, to whatever. And um, it's, it's obviously all of this is so terrifying. You know, it's just uh, impossible to imagine at times yeah. that I just, I don't know. There, you know, it's, it's so funny because uh, it's not well, it's not funny, but it, it is funny that, you know, I read the news. I read a huge amount of news and some articles, interviews, you know, so much information. And there is, you know, one week, it cannot get to me, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I read like one, one sentence about whatever somewhere happened or someone said something in, in this like way that like that touches me so deeply and I can start crying. Mm-hmm. So it's just so it's so random. Like I don't pick on what I cry and what I don't cry, what I get, what I don't get. Just extremely random and it's completely out of my control that you know and the information about these players so uh, you know yeah. being in the army is just i yet haven't processed it have you so. and and obviously your dad is still there correct yep yeah how, how is that for you oh i mean the part we're living in was pretty okay yep like there were pieces of missile that hit the neighbor house, neighbor, in our neighbor's house. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> like I just I'm trying to 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 think of it, but no. I cannot. Yeah, I cannot. Maybe a time. Maybe if you would ask me, if you sorry, maybe if you asked me this. Like when everything started, like when remember we had a conversation with Linnea Wells about doing the podcast. If you ask me these questions there, maybe, you know, there is a good chance I, I would start crying or, uh-huh. or something like this. But now the brain, it just works on a completely new level for me that I haven't even like experienced before. That you ask me questions about how do you feel about your dad? And I don't know what to answer because. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I think nothing happens now. Everything is fine. So, you know, it just erases from my brain. I guess information. I guess, I guess that's yeah. where dad's come into um play a little bit when they I'm sure he's told you a thousand times a week, everything's okay. Don't worry about us. We're fine. Everything's okay, right? I mean, that's the protective yes. fathers, right? A lot. A lot of times, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I just cannot even fathom to deal with um have you other ukrainian players on tour how close have you all become throughout this situation uh, you know being competitors and i'm sure there's parts of certain people that you maybe didn't see eye to eye with before or i don't know i mean i've never talked to you about oh how do you feel about serenko or Svitlina or whatever but like has this brought you guys to a place of being closer than before or what's your relationship like with all the other Ukrainian players? Um, obviously situations like this once uh, are very like, I don't know, they're very, they bring a lot of things up 
yeah everything yeah. that is inside of you how you really are because yeah. it's extremely stressful and stressful and difficult situation you know you you cannot like uh, put the hands on and pretend like uh, nothing is going on yeah okay like especially ukrainians so i have to tell that there are players i got very close with and there are players that i don't talk to anymore yeah. not because of their uh, political position obviously not no everyone is i'm sure i swear everyone is obviously on the same page but just a like human relationship it broke apart like it broke apart a little bit i don't know how how to say it um, and uh, i got extremely close with elina mm-hmm. and i was uh, already close with lesia turenko but we got even closer now yeah. um and this is like let's talk about good things only so this you know these these are two people that um you know that i got extremely close during the everything that was happening because there's a lot of decisions that has been made by us have that there's a lot of decisions that have been made by us they you know they needed you know they needed the decisions needed us to be united to be on the same page to look in the same direction yeah. and obviously you know by talking more by sharing your feelings what you think and so on it just just brings your relationship on new levels so these are two girls that i got very close with obviously and you have been i mean you and i've talked um and you have been very open with saying that recently that um you feel you're sad that that you feel like there are some russian or belarusian players or whoever and not to name names but some that you feel like they haven't come to you privately um <sighs> what what do you what what upset i mean it's pretty obvious what upsets you about it but was that surprising to you and how hard was that for you because you guys were friends well first of all none of the players came up to us personally especially not even like by message i don't know if it counts but personally no one came to us um I mean, tennis is a very individual sport and, you know, you pick your friends, you pick who you talk to, you know, you, you can decide. Yeah. And uh, everyone was making mutual decisions of being friends uh, with Russian players, Belarusian players throughout like years, 10 years, 15 years. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm the one that is young on tour so i'm friends but for just a couple of years not for 10 or 15 years uh but yet it was extremely disappointing for me especially when we arrived in india wells and nothing happened because we were expect everyone was expecting like oh you know we're like we're friends they definitely will like run to us they will come up to us and and ask how we are and how how is our family you know we're not even talking about like some political views or whatever just some basic human relationship i don't know of asking how are you i don't know um and um this didn't happen mm-hmm. and you just kind of like you you had to accept it i don't know we we all had to accept it at some point and just realize that this is kind of like 
not our friends anymore and I'm not sure they'll ever be I don't think what I don't think they have to do something to gain the friendship or relationship back because I don't think there is something you can do to to bring it back you can make it better but I don't think you can bring it back um but of course I mean it's just uh, just disappointing not much more to it and just a little thing on the on the Wimbledon ban um yeah what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, one thing, can I say something before you say something? Sure, and sure, I did sure. bring this up on the pod last week when we spoke about it, Caitlin and I, but one of the things that we, I, I was, somebody said to me is that, can you imagine having to play as a Ukrainian player, having to play against a Russian player? And I hadn't thought about that very much. And I, mm-hmm. I just, can you like even remotely explain how that felt because uh have you played any russian players since this started thankfully no but we had players who played russians and um when everything was so fresh you know the emotions were fresh and everything was so new i think you don't want to like win the match against this person i think it would come to the point that i i don't know i would probably want to harm this person physically yeah mentally i don't know because this is what their country is doing to us yeah but obviously not physically directly but mentally 100 percent yeah and this is just, I think this is just like a part of, of payback we could get, you know, yeah. by beating these players, but not just on the court, but in other ways, obviously it would never go to this point, but, you know, the will to do it is uh, still huge to this day, um, especially that, especially that their um, approach to things doesn't change. Yeah. They started to defend themselves. They started to bring uh, lawyers on the calls because they are being discriminated and all the possible nightmare like this is keep on happening and you just you keep on being surprised more and more with every action they they make and it doesn't you know because we in this situation like this i think we are acting as in like in an extremely respectful way way mm-hmm. and uh we you know we're trying to be like as much as possible like polite i don't know the understanding but yet no one is trying to understand us so you know i think at at one point we will you know we will just not being able to handle it anymore yeah being this nice and polite so I think it's a uh, look. It's an ongoing situation. We'll see what the WTA DP decide to do. You know, in the end. But you know, I hadn't thought about it from that point perspective. I can imagine like standing at first round, walking onto the tennis court, having to play against a Russian player. And of course, we all know. You know, you're a smart young lady. Um, I'm a smarter older mm-hmm. lady. But we understand that 
they're not the cause of the war, right? We know that. We know that the Russian tennis players have nothing to do with the war. But as you said to me a couple of weeks ago, Putin likes to propagate, his propaganda on using athletes is pretty well known. And so unfortunately, um, you know, they're, they're also paying a price for this horrific war. Um, but I thought of, I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of you guys having to actually walk onto the tennis court and play them and how difficult that must be. So, you know, I, you know, I so appreciate you talking about it. You know, it's like it, we could talk about it as you do, you and I do often um, talk about it for hours, but um, yeah. you know, I, I just want you to know. And, and, and also, you know, I do, I feel badly for the Russian players and Belarusian players. Look, they're, they're going to pay a, a heavy price if they don't get to play Wimbledon. I think about someone like Sabalenka who made the semis there last year and might not be able to defend their point. But in the end, unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is something that it's sometimes out of all of our hands, you know, and um, I know for you how difficult this last month has been. And I think it's pretty remarkable. I mean, look at Alina, for example. She's not even playing because she just can't handle the, the emotions that she's having to deal with on the tennis court. Um, but it's been remarkable to see you even play the way that you've played over the last month. And it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. I, mean, I just, I mean, I don't, but don't think that I'm handling it uh, great. No. <laughs> no one. It's not, it's not as easy. I, I can't even remotely understand. I mean, uh, you know, you tell these stories about things that and you and I've talked about um, and I just, it's inconceivable to think that we could even remotely think how, how you're doing um, traveling the world and having to worry about your homeland and your family and your friends back there. So it's, mm -hmm. we very much think about you all the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but Let's end it on a positive note um, yes. on this pod because you know me, I'm usually a bit of a jokester and I like to, <laughs> I usually like to make you smile. I like, like to have us have good conversations, but what's, what's the focus other than dealing with this whole situation, but what, what's your, what's your want over the next six months besides what's happening in Ukraine, which we know the obvious there, you'd like the war to stop, but what are your hopes for the rest of this year and going forward? To stay alive. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it sounds probably extremely horrible, but I think to 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 be alive, to 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 handle it in the best possible way, to to do everything that depends on me, yep. and you know, to to try to progress, to try to make as much progress as I can because you know <laughs> i don't know it's you know i haven't even actually like give it a thought about mm -hmm. what you just asked me because yeah. i'm not yeah. living in that way anymore yeah i'm i'm thinking about yeah i have to play as many matches as possible uh you know i have to to work on this on this on this on court but i'm like can i even like handle it like can i go out there how many more tournaments can i handle yeah. where i'm going to be in, two months like physically mentally anywhere so you know I just think I have to wake up every morning and, and do the best I can that day that I wake up and uh, just move on with this with this thinking because I think it's the best way I can deal um, with it 
you know, we always say live in the present and we always say, you know, in tennis, it's always like, it's not about the last point, it's the next point. So yeah, uh, I think that that's a great mantra for you going forward, um, even in these dire circumstances with what's happening at home. And I want everybody at home to know that you, um, you're a lot of fun to be around. Um, I think you have a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous, tremendous future ahead of you as a tennis player. I think you're going to get better and better because you have every shot. I mean, you really do. You're very, very confident in every part of the game coming forward, your serve, your groundies. Like, I think we're going to see a lot. I, I expect you to be top 10 in the next like couple of years. No pressure, Marta. But <laughs> no pressure. As long as sure. you know, everything goes smoothly and okay and you're safe and your family and everything at home is is okay i mean I, I i see big things for you in the future and thanks for joining me on this podcast today thank you thank you so much Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.